We're already having way too much fun, even before I hit the record button. So as as anyone with eyes to see can see, and those of you who are hearing can't see, I've got John Van Donk and Nate Heil with me on today. Because Van Donk has a scheme, and you know, I'm Van Donk was just asking, you know, how bad he's colonized my brain. And John Van Donk is part of a very short list that when John Van Donk says, I want to make a video, and and here he is, no waiting room, no Calendly app. John Van Donk just gets red carpet treatment right onto the channel whenever he wants it. This is such an unfair world. But it does relate to the video you put out this morning, which talks about credentials, expertise, uh, Dunbar numbers. I want to get back to that later. So, what's yeah. with the What's with the rubber chicken? Um, that has everything to do to um, upgrade my image in the minds of the your audience, um, Paul. I understand that it is a necessary feature of everybody's background to have something weird in the background. And and so I thought I'd hold up my end of the bargain. A rubber. Why on earth do you even buy a rubber chicken these days? I mean, I, if I had to set about getting one, maybe Amazon, but. It is also my shorthand way of uh, giving a shout out to my wife, who is uh, who is currently employed uh, for the state of California, the uh, California Department of Food and Agriculture, and she is responsible to a large degree for keeping the all the poultry healthy in the state of California so that uh, eggs can be bought and sold, chicken can be eaten without danger, and when there are foreign diseases like avian influenza or uh, Newcastle disease that uh, cause harm to our commercial poultry mm -hmm. flocks. She is the one who stands in the gap and uh, and protects the nation right. and the state of California. And so this naked chicken symbolizes that. Okay. We in California have the happiest chickens around because apparently the good voters of the state of California are um, somehow understand the psyche of chickens because a number of years ago we voted them out of cages and into free range because the good voters of the state of California imagined that chickens would be happier outside. And then and we now spend they pick billions, up way more diseases. And we spend billions of dollars because we think people will be happier inside. We are very strange people. <laughs> Chickens, you should be outside. The book, uh, Life of Pi, begins with this illustration of a lion. And anyway, so yeah, and so ADHD addled. Um, somebody has to bring some orders. Why are we here? Why are we here? And why okay. this configuration? Some people are going to look at this and think. Yes, and it is very Hyo relevant esoteric thinky talky corner of the corner john van donk you know myopic men mental meandering phobic <laughs> let's hear it what are we doing so so it's 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 interesting because that is in fact part of the topic for today why is nate here um but i want to start out by uh making sure that everybody knows that today's topic is conferences. Conferences. Conferences, and particularly conferences in this little corner. And um, I had a script written out, and then I realized that, you know, you can't have a conversation with the script. It just doesn't work. And so um, I would like at some point to get some information out to the, to the uh, unwashed masses and uh some some basic technical information about conferences and some historical information about conferences and uh but i most importantly want to announce a decision that has been made by a body about conferences and that in and of itself should be enough to get a few people's attention who has the power in this little corner to make any decisions at all about anything is there a secret cabal we've not been i am here to? 
I am here to tell you today that a decision has been made and will be enforced about conferences. Now, with that introduction, Paul, would you give us a little history about how conferences even came to be on our radar at all? And you might begin by our shared trip to the festival in Landau, Germany. Okay. So I always start stories too early. Back in the day, Cassidy, Matthias wanted to do a festival. And I thought, what's a festival? I don't know. It must be a German thing. I guess it is a German thing. They want to do a festival. And then they kind of were like, well, Matthias basically said, if we, if I paid your way, would you come? And I thought, I've never been to Europe. It'd be fun to go to Germany. So I said, okay. Then John Van Dam, John Van Dam, John Van Donk heard about it. And John Van Donk said, I want to go. And so he got on with Cassidy and Matthias and said, I'm coming too. find money for me too. And uh, then I, I left John. I, I decided, well, that's a good thing. Then John can do all the administrative planning stuff that I don't care to, which of course led to a very frantic late night drive with Job in a very small car from Germany to the Netherlands, only to have John and I sleep in his very small car behind the fire station across the street from Job's house. That's a whole nother story that you can find on the internet. But so then John and I had a lot of time together that trip. And we saw that not only was estuary important in terms of these little groups, people getting together in very small groups, eight or so people, uh, unrecorded, that they could know and be known, love and be loved, but that people were having a hard time finding each other and knowing what was going on. But people would come out to see a little bit of celebrity a little jazz hands there. And uh, when we'd maybe snooker them into, you know, coming out to a bigger conference, we might just give them a little taste of what is even more fun, which is it's one thing to sit and watch. And that's really what this whole thing is about. It's one thing to sit and watch. It's a whole lot more fun to play. And so Thunder Bay was already in the midst. Um, Catherine had that that idea and that of course got postponed because of covid john and i were going to do with job a west coast uh, meetup tour that got canceled because of covid and then Catherine pulled off thunder bay and it was really good and thunder bay was right after our europe trip and then i was because whenever I go down to Southern California for churchly duties, I was meeting with John. I said, boy, that Thunder Bay thing was really awesome, John. Now it's your turn. And John was like, what do you mean it's my turn? I said, you got this big church. I had meetings with your with not your council, but with your staff. And you talked about how you wanted to do bigger events that would draw in people who weren't from your church to be. I said, this is, this is just dumb, simple, John. And... That was the Chino event, and that was awesome. And it was awesome because we took, um, you know, we took what we had learned from Thunder Bay, and then we added a few things. And then John, I don't say no to John hardly at all. A lot of people probably think I should, but John had a lot of crazy ideas like have them in little estuary groups even before the conference starts. Have that be the first thing. And I thought, boy, I don't know about that. But I kept my mouth shut. And after I saw how that worked, I thought, no, that's genius because so many people come to conferences and they don't know everybody. It's like freshman orientation in college. Now, suddenly, they have a little group of people that if they didn't come with friends, they've got someone to sit by. They've got someone to process with because the truth is all of the stuff that gets done on stage, you can watch that on video later if, you know, if it's recorded. The really important things that happen on the conference are happening between the people here and there and the friendships and the networks and all of those things. And actually, I'll add a little bit more to this. Then I went to the ARC conference in London, which was 1,500 people by invitation, 
really nice venue. Jordan Peterson talks about treating your guests well. There were lovely food space. But you know what there wasn't hardly any of at that conference? All of that little estuary stuff. And so actually what a lot of people wound up doing, myself included, so we skipped a lot of the plenary sessions completely. And we sat out there in that little lobby in that little tent and we talked to people and we found people and people found us. And so we're doing all of this stuff. And when it comes when it comes down to what I most value from that whole event, it has nothing, it has very little to do with what happened on stage, what all the organizers were thinking about. It had everything to do with me sitting, I'm not going to mention all the people because some of them like to stay hidden. It had everything to do with the little conversations I had around tables and back. And what I was sort of frustrated by was I thought, you know, at the at the Chino conference, we had this built into the program. And it was in some ways even better because even though you didn't have 1,500 committee select mucky mucks from YouTube and business and politics like you had at that conference. We had randos, but boy, was it cool getting to know these randos and talking to them. And so, and, and then the other thing that I told John is unlike what a whole group of people want me to do, which is to sort of centrally, you know, manage this thing, I would rather have people have a vision for a conference and then do it. And that's sort of what we've seen. Nate and I were both at this conference in Washington, D.C., very Catholic affair. It's very interesting. Cool conference. And then I didn't even go to the one that was in Arkansas. Had Dr. Jim and Father Eric and, you know, Ted just organized it because he kind of wanted to share with people what he knew. And I, I, had, I don't even know how many people were at that conference, probably not a lot, but I, I've seen some of the videos. And then we did another German festival and they're still cooking on, you know, how to do other things in Europe. So we're also noticing that it's, it's one thing to say, boy, I'd love to do a conference. It's a whole nother thing to pull that sucker off. And so I think there is a role for something to support people who want to do a conference. So there's there's the little bit of the story I know, even though I'm not part of the, the secret cabal that has supposedly made decisions for the rest of us. So, but it has. And um, I need to uh, give a little intro to what that cabal might even be. So I'm 72 years old. I will be 73 in March, and I'm starting to feel my age. And I have my hands in all kinds of pies and things, and I feel like I'm super busy. I, uh, <clears throat> I, I'm the host of my own local estuary here in Chino. I... Uh, um, Paul, when we when we first started talking about uh, about doing leadership training for estuary groups, Paul said, "Well, that's all good and well. We 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 both agreed that there, if there were to be more estuary groups, there would have to be more leaders." And Paul says, "Well, that's that's kind of outside of my bandwidth, and I I don't have time to do that. But if if you want to do a join, you go right ahead." So I I took that task on for myself to to attempt to train leaders, ergo. We now have ELSNET, the Estuary Leader Support Network, which meets twice a month. And for me, that means six hours a month because there are three different groups that meet. And then uh, we are starting to talk about, um, well, there's conferences and there are people are asking questions about that. I had a few notes here that I, because I don't even know what I all do. I do so much. I do a lot of stuff. So. Um, Good thing you're retired. Yeah, Right. And that spotted <laughs> sheep thing fell through. Yeah, that is also true. Yeah. I saw um, the spotted sheep. They were pretty cool. But anyway. I I uh I also work with Nate to make sure that the estuaryhub.com website is becoming more user-friendly, which it now is not, but it will be. And we are working hard at that. 
Um, I respond to requests for individual conversations um, that are related to estuary uh, topics and themes. I uh, regularly connect with Justin about the upcoming documentary that uh, about the TLC and the estuary project. I make sure that the bills get paid for my meetup.com, my Zoom account, and um, my uh, Estuary Hub website. All of that needs to be paid, so I take care of that. And then I frequently interface with you, Paul, in an attempt to reduce the confusion between TLC and Estuary. I uh, I, I have a, a real burden for making sure that the distinction between those two is kept very clear. And uh, apparently I do that so much that I've begun to sound like a, a broken record. And then I also wonder what I'm supposed to do, if anything, in relation to the third leg of the equation, the equation being estuary, TLC, and conferences. And from the conference in Chino, we learned that a conference can be an amazing bridge between those two populations, between people that are primarily involved with each other online and who, who need to see in person these other people and would be willing to spend money to come together. And a little celebrity might be a bonus and an extra incentive. But like you said, they really do come to see and be with each other. And on the other hand, the estuary community, quite frankly, if I, in my own estuary group, which is usually just shy of 12, but it often reaches the number of 12, and we've had more than that, and that gets a little unwieldy. But um, <clears throat> if I were to ask those people, so would you would you like to uh, organize a big conference where where we could like be together with several hundred people and uh, and, and we could we can all meet each other and, and talk to each other and face to face? Like they would look at me, excuse me. Why would we want to do that? We have it every every time we meet here together. Twice a month, we have an estuary meeting. We have a community. We love each other. We learn to talk across ideological lines. We we have food together. We have cookie baking competitions. For Christmas, we all sat around one table at Marv's house, and and we 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 were at fully embodied. We have no need to be with hundreds of other people, which is way past our Dunbar number anyway. Sam. Uh, so yeah, uh, when estuary people, and that's what I think is happening in Germany, when estuary people start talking about organizing a conference or a festival, they do it to invite other people into the experience of face-to-face, on-the-ground, in-person conversation, because online stuff just doesn't cut it. Now, every time I say that, I am fully aware that Estuary grew out of TLC. And I will always be grateful for the roots, for the encouragement, for the visibility, for your, 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 your role in, in announcing this whole thing and to make it actually part of the vision to, to have these people meet on the ground. But I have become a broken record and a one-trick pony I don't care so much about what we talk about, but it better be in person. I also want to confess today that I I, I listened to um, Lance, that previous conversation. Also, that was brought to my attention uh, when it was halfway going on, and I heard Lance say, you know, Estuary is wonderful. The in-person stuff is great. It's very difficult to have it grow so fast that everybody can benefit from a local estuary. There just aren't enough leaders. There aren't enough estuaries. If every year there were 15 more estuaries, then it would still not be enough for everyone to have access to a local estuary. Although um, I, I think this thing could really... Um, take off. If, if enough people catch the vision of local uh, meetings, it could grow faster than that. Anyway, but the point still is that, um, yes, I confess that online estuaries are possible, provided they are online estuaries, which means using the protocol 
and not coming with a prepared agenda. Because when soon, as soon as somebody shows up with, with a prepared agenda, it becomes a discussion and it is no longer a conversation. And then it becomes a, somebody has an extra grind or a pony in the race or something that they want to see happen. And then it is no longer the, the, the fluid, organic coming together and sharing what's on your mind today. So having made this confession, I now go back to estuary and to conferences and conferences being that bridge where estuary people who want to reach out to other people and expand the vision of the in-person conversations and the online TLC people who desperately need to touch and be touched and, well, it's kind of a weird word, but to be present with one another, eat together, see each other three-dimensionally instead of two-dimensionally. And uh, those two are natural. They, they, these, these two groups naturally find each other in conferences. And I think you shared that vision with me and Chino quite well. And for some reason, due to the success of the Chino conference, I have become somewhat of a, I, I now have credentials to uh, to speak knowledgeably about or about conferences. And so, but at the same time, this just gets added to my long list of activities and duties and responsibilities. And I am not really, I don't have the bandwidth to, um, to do this. So quite frankly, the, the, the big announcement today is that um, that has to do with why Nate is here. The big announcement is that to keep the forward momentum of estuary, not, not TLC. I have no pony in the TLC race. If that is going to be built and built out and expanded in any way possible, it's up to you, Paul, and your cohorts and all the sub-channels to do it. Not up to me. I'm going to just occasionally drop in here and there and have fun with it. But but that's not that is not my I don't see that as my responsibility at all. But I really, really am very invested in estuaries continuing to expand and develop and grow. And and so that is going to require a certain amount of energy that I don't have. But I really care about it. So I have a vision that uh, if I gather the right people around me who share that passion, who share that vision, then maybe in two years I can walk away from it and say, you know, you guys can handle this from here on forward and you you, you are sufficiently capable of all the details to, uh, to, to take this thing to the next level. And guess who is a member of that team? There's seven people. I will not announce their names today. We're going to have a more uh, elaborate rollout than that, but the, the the team actually made a decision, two decisions actually. We had some bit of a division of roles, and uh, when it came to what is going to be our position and our responsibility and our relationship to conferences, as the I uh, the, the the cabal even has a name. Guess what it's called? Write I, this down. I'm I'm ready to type. ELC. <laughs> oh boy we got tlc which is of course the learning channel and tender loving care and now we have elc which the is estuary what? leadership council this came from uh who does this come from nate i think it was was it emily that suggested it? emily all right emily okay so so that means that we have now already revealed another name but ELC has decided on some different roles. Some different people are going to be taking care of different parts of the of the of the, the total scope of responsibility. And one of the things that was most clear was that we have one person eminently qualified to take care of the liaison between estuary and TLC when it comes to conferences, and that is Nate. Kyle, dum, dum, Take it away. <laughs> here he is. <laughs> but, but, but Nate is also here to announce a decision which, as a council, we made and told Nate to disclose to your audience today, Paul, 
And the decision is what, Nate? Are you talking about like what, like the decision we made about exactly in what way we want to encourage and support conferences? Is that what no, 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 no. That that we will not organize any conferences. Right. We're we're that's well, yes, correct. Yes, so we're not we're, going to we're not going to organize the conferences, um, but um, we can give advice and help you out in other ways. But we will not organize them. That's a big decision because this is. I mean this 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 conversation has been going around for years now, and it's been interesting to watch it go. So, um, so, so Jacob, we are not it. <laughs> So the ELC are not conference organizers. They are conference organizer supporters, kind of analogous to the way ELSNET isn't really running estuaries. They're just think, supporting leaders. I think that's a very good analogy, Paul. I think that's that's precisely what we have in mind. Yeah. So we can kind of like give people advice as to as to how to do it and but won't actually be involved in the organization other conferences why don't now i know that's going to be a little controversial in the minds of a few people that already um that we won't necessarily name right now but if we haven't already but let's let's talk a little bit more about that because it's it's helpful to understand why make a decision like that and can understand you know perhaps within the group why there was some debate about that because it seems natural if you say okay well this group is going to organize conferences and these are going to be elc conferences or estuary.inc conferences why <laughs> what talk to me about that decision and some of the i mean because there there are good reasons on both sides here because if you sort of centralize and institutionalize it you can get I actually, one of the videos I didn't make last week was all of this thinking about persons and institutions and why we love and trust institutions, even though sometimes we learn to distrust in institutions like we learn to distrust people. What's that about? Talk, tell me more about that that discussion and, and why the decision was made as it was. It originally arose out of the possibility that some of the leftover money from Chino you see, if you do a conference right, you may even have some money left over. That some of the leftover money from Chino could be used as startup money for other conferences or in other ways uh, provide scholarships or uh, help with uh, whatever, uh, you know. So in other words, all of a sudden it became attractive to think that one conference could uh, help facilitate another conference financially. And we said, well, where's the end of that? And what if you run out of money? And then who is going to be, um, then who is going to be funding additional conferences when the money runs out? So um, we decided for that reason alone, it would not be a very good idea. But also that, and th this is where that script that I sent you guys kind of comes in. Because different people do different conferences for different reasons. Yes. And that is the organic part in TLC, which I love. And, and you know, um, Chad is, <laughs> this is just amazing. Chad was really on my case early on that I should establish more central traditions and the script and a protocol and blah, 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 and, and, and you know, centralized leadership and, and all this kind of stuff. Or I don't know if I'm representing him here correctly. And then the other day I heard him say, well, I don't believe that way anymore. I, I now very much believe in the organic, let it happen, and in due time, it'll all happen. And uh, and I, I thought that was a lovely sentiment. And 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 Paul, you and I have talked about this quite a bit. Um, you know, how much shall we push this thing and how much shall we just let it happen? And and so I did not think and I I, I did not expect that my age and my energy level would ever become a factor in making some of these kinds of decisions but now it has for real i mean this is an existential need i can't i can't keep up with you the reason why i didn't get to go to the second german festival is because i can't freaking keep up with you long legs on on british railway stations subway paths and what have you 
I mean, I, I just about killed myself that other year. And so I, I'm not prepared to do that anymore. I'm just not going to do it. So I'm too old for this crap. But that also means that now comes a moment, an existential moment in time when you can anticipate that, hey, I am not going to be in this particular role. I can't do this or that or that. Well, who else is going to do it? And as soon as you ask the question, who else is going to do it? Then you are then you need to begin to think about, well, who are the people who are willing, have the expertise, have the motivation, have the credential, have the connections to step up and say, yeah, we can we can do that. And we want to do that. And so the team that I now have, we've had three meetings already. It is an incredible team. And this is the team that had the discussion about why we would not do conferences as such, which is not to say that we're not going to do anything. So again, Nate, you take it away. There's a reason why Nate is the contact person for the liaison for for uh, between ELC and TLC. Nate is the liaison between ELC, e, ELC and TLC. That's his, right. that's his task. <laughs> right. And, and I think that's just because I have, I think I'm have my hands kind of equally in both totally to a very totally. clear so it makes sense for which me which people to... might not notice just by you know watching you on grail country they see you online in tlc but a lot of estuary is sort of not estuary by design is not really on screen right right so it's yeah, a sacred behind, space off screen i'm very involved in in estuary and always have been and in terms of the organic the organic growth thing uh, like I'm 100% on the same page with you, John. In fact, I think that was the first conversation we had when we met up in Chino was about exactly that, uh, about us both having that vision of, that it needs to be something that's allowed to grow organically. Um, and although it was a nice idea to have a pay it forward model to help support um, other conferences, it's just there are, there are more downsides to that ultimately. And also part of that is one of the reasons we came to that conclusion is that very few conferences actually are in the black. Most of them are, most of them are in the red. So yeah. there's, there's significant financial risk in saying, I want to do a conference. And, you know, I walked through this with Catherine. I walked through this with John. I mean, at this point, I've walked through this with enough people that I know that all the excitement, we're going to do a conference and they announce it. And we do some videos, yada, yada, yada. And then about four months before the conference, they're like, what if nobody comes? I'm on the hook for this venue. I'm on the hook for this food. I'm on the hook for this. And if nobody buys tickets, I'm going to be upside down for this thing for not a little money. And so it's a big deal. Yeah, I would advise on that just it, to know how much you can afford to spend up front and work that into your budget. When you're and ask it. the question. Who is organizing this conference? It is really important that you know who the we is when you say we are going to have a conference. When you say we, you cannot assume that Paul will do it for you. You cannot assume that ELC will do it for you. You cannot assume that your mother-in-law is going to do it for you, you know, unless you make those arrangements. Well, and but then it also, and you know, that's the scary side. And now what if we don't, we haven't had a lot of big announcements. There's op so the symbolic world conference coming up is a little different in that, you know, Neil Dirt, you know, I said Dirt Pirate Robbins, um, <laughs> um, Dirt Poor Robbins. I mean, that is a conference that grew organically, but moreover, sort of in the symbolic world. And it's called the Symbolic World Summit. And so, it's a little bit different. We've had talk about a conference in Texas. We've, you know, there's other conferences that are potentially in the works. And I think that's all, that's all fine. Um, and it's just the, the freedom there is, you know, I, I want to see if I can get, I'd like to have these two, I get emails all the time or tweets all the time. You should talk to this person. You should talk to this person. Well, guess what? You can live your fantasy. It's just, you got to have skin in the game and you can get these people on stage. And, and then when you start to put this thing together, 
hmm, well, how is it all going to work? And there's a million little details. And where's the support coming from? And John knows this full well. And I want to share that a little bit because um, that is part of what that's part of what we want to communicate to to the audience is what does it take to get it to get a successful conference off the ground? And I have a little bit of a track record because I pulled it off once, once. People, I'm not an expert. I did it once. And why was Chino successful? Well, first of all, it came on the heels of Thunder Bay. And Paul and John and Jonathan had been together, had a good time, felt like they had more to talk about, and were not famous enough yet to be in such super demand everywhere else. So when Paul reached out to John and Jonathan and said, hey, you guys want to do this again in Southern California? They said yes. Now, we, we had some incredibly high visibility talent on stage at Crosspoint Church. I mean, I did zero advertising. These people were able to draw a crowd simply by their own celebrity. Then in addition, the target audience was the TLC community. The TLC community had been cooped up on account of COVID, not going anywhere, and had been rapidly expanding because Paul was doing a good job of of encouraging these people to be talking to each other and, and getting to know each other and, and, and all kinds of relationships were being formed, but that were, that were never fully embodied because they were always on a screen. So there was a tremendous urgency to who are these people in real life? Who are these people in real life? And so there was a, there, it was an easy task for me to bring them together in Chino, good access, airports, freeways, uh, venue, the venue. I mean, you mentioned the venue, Paul, and you're so right about that. In fact, I had laid the foundation for that by, by, by having a conversation already going about how can we build bridges to the community by having conversations about, uh, you know, perhaps controversial topics or, or, or at least topics of public interest where we bring different parties together and 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 create a conversation that we don't necessarily have to have the final answer at we don't have to tie up all the loose ends in a bow and have an altar call and everybody will come to jesus no we can actually have conversations and they are worthy of themselves so that spirit was already present at crosspoint church and then in addition we have a big facility but guess what we had to pay for the janitorial staff so it's not that they did it for free. It was part of the budget. We had to make sure that we were able to hold up our end of the bargain. So that goes into the budget. But then what happened was these people showed up. And, and like you said, it was not as important who was on the stage as it was who sat around the table with me or around the campfire or who was in the band that we ad hoc impromptu made up or who was part of the little panel session that Jacob organized that was on nobody's agenda he just did it impromptu and he got a, a mental health panel going and 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 i was the celebrity mental health patient there so but yeah that's i mean that that is that is the 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 underlying dynamics of the success of that conference but you can't take that for granted that does not happen everywhere so, so, so you I, have to find something that you have to tap into and tap into that thing if you're going to make a conference so I, I wonder if people listening to this video at this point have just heard a whole big message of it's up to you. We're washing our hands of this, you know, all the risks on you. And that's very much not what you want to communicate because actually no video would be a better communication of that than any video at all. And announcing, because once you announce a name and a group and there's even, they even have money, they have a, you know, now suddenly there is a tension. So how will this estuary leadership council support people who say, I kind of, I'd, I'd love to do a conference because that way I can get these people that I see online actually to my zip code and I can bring different mixes of people in and we can we can actually do something new here that maybe we haven't even seen done online. 
and I can be a part of it. So, so, so what is, what is ELC bringing to the table? Go Nate. <laughs> well, I think what, what we see is, is more of like an advisory capacity. So um, although we wouldn't actually organize it, we would be a resource that people could reach out to, to get advice as to how to, how to, how to proceed. Like, for example, um, uh, well, one of the major challenges is for any conference is going to be finding a venue that's not going to to break the bank. So we can give out suggestions as to like this is this is what people have had success with in the past. This is what might these are the types of venues you might want to seek that might give you a reasonable rate that's not going to put you deep deep in debt. That so that kind of thing. Just like be there to give like helpful advice without actually like we're not going to tell you what speakers to try to get. We're not going to tell you what your theme should be. We will strong. We definitely want to strongly encourage people to include an estuary element in these conferences. So, because the the great purpose of these conferences, from my point of view, is to kind of bridge that gap um, that John was talking about between TLC and estuary, and to help to create more estuaries. I think that right now, where we're at in the development of estuary and TLC, that the conferences are the best kind of intermediary step toward the generation of more on the ground estuaries because people get a taste of the estuary experience at these conferences. I think the other thing that we can we can we can help with is helping to coordinate finding small group discussion leaders through the L, like through the ELSNET. So it's like if you're having a conference and you're going to have the estuary experience, you're going to need people to lose to to lead those estuaries. So we can kind of look at estuaryhub.com and see what estuary leaders are geographically close, suggest that they are offered discounted tickets or some other kind of incentive for them to want to go to the conference and be a small group leader for that conference. So that's the kind of thing that we can do. So we're not we're not like going to totally like not help at all. Because like you said, that would there'd be no point in even making an announcement. We are going to try to offer advice and support, but we're just not going to off we're not going to directly organize or offer direct financial assistance. That's what we're not doing. Anything else, any other any other kind of help that we can offer, we're we're here to offer. Specifically, I'm here to offer. So hit me up. And and if you if you were to attach paintball for Jesus. To your estuary or to your to your conference, you can be one hundred percent sure that Grim Grizz will show up there for free, and he will announce it on his channel up the wazoo. And so, some and people raise his own come. support to get there. I know some some people some people will will come to your conference just to see Grim Grizz and to do paintball for Jesus with him. <laughs> the, the hardest thing was just imagining Grim Grizz in the VIP room at the Symbolic World Summit and thinking, oh, I so want to be in that room just to watch. <laughs> I wish you were going to be there, Paul. I really do. I'm bringing my priest. <laughs> but but I, I I think it's it's helpful to... I think it's helpful to give a vision as you've done of why conferences and how every conference is a different thing. And it, and it might be that someone comes along with a template and is able to reproduce conferences in different places. That would be okay too. I'm not opposed to that, but this is, people often also ask about what's the relationship between estuary and church? And I answered this question to Grizz yesterday on this little talk that he and I had, estuary and church can really have a nice, um, a, a good support relationship back and forth. Churches often have facilities that are available midweek that can, at a reasonable price, if the church feels that the mission of this conference is somehow aligned with the church. Um, I think it's healthy because our TLC estuary type events I think in a really helpful way, sort of stretch a church because churches can get very narrowly focused, which is okay. Narrow, sharp focus is a good thing, but sometimes the church, if that sharp focus makes makes the church insular, 
then the church begins to atrophy and then the church becomes ingrown and and a number of people have asked me about our every week estuary at living stones i just got an email from someone who is from a town nearby who asked a question about estuary and the reason she did was she had been watching jordan hall and she had seen my video about jordan hall becoming a christian and she said you know i'm you know, she's much more john verveke rebel wisdom that side of things but she sees the need for she wants a local community on the ground and if i would say get baptized and join living stones whoa I, you know, it's, it's, that's, i'm not there i'm not i'm not up for that right now fair enough but estuary is a place where we can come. And what's been beautiful about every week estuary at 9 a.m. at Living Stones at 1390 Florin Road, I'll put my own little pitch in there, is watching... And Rick will be there. What's that? And Rick will be there. Rick doesn't usually come. He's usually in his little <laughs> office. Rick's, Rick's a very serious introvert. Um, <laughs> but it, what's been beautiful is watching the Living Stones people. This is what you and I were talking about in the previous video. The Living Stones people and the estuary people getting to know each other and learning that a lot of these church people are older and they have lots of good stories. A lot of the estuary people are younger and the older people are looking at these younger people thinking, why are they interested in this? Why are they interested in my stories? And just watching the community form and part of why I wanted to do it every week was that if you do it once a month, you can build a degree of community. If you do it twice a month, a little bit more. If you do it every week and people start coming every week, boy, now you're going to, like you talked about, John, you're going to have competitive, competitive uh, cookie baking competitions and you're going to have uh, denim dinners in the home and you're going to have, and then some of this insularity that churches naturally have and have had right from the start, um, you know, can now we have much more organic ties into the community and a conference just sort of takes this and says, oh, it, it builds it much bigger. And it also makes it possible to have the kinds of conversations you probably won't get in a church normally just by virtue of the kind of routines that churches have the kinds of conversations and the kind of connections that you can actually make where people might say, wow, I never would have imagined a church would have a speaker like that in their conversation and actually have them connect. Maybe, just maybe, the church is not a foreign island that I don't have to you know, swim shark-infested waters to get to. Maybe... If the church is interested in some of my ideas, I might be open to some of their ideas and we can talk. And that's the vision of this whole thing. And so there's going to be, I think, a lot of conferences, probably in a lot of churches. Yeah. Yeah. And, churches and, and, are really, go ahead. Go ahead, Nate. I just think, yeah, I would say churches are kind churches and synagogues are kind of ideal venues, especially if you can demonstrate to the prospective host church or synagogue the the benefit of what you're doing I, they're they're not going to charge they're not going to gouge you for venue pricing so and you know chino wow i mean and you know what you know what is the coolest thing for me to see john verveke like what chris did that he took some clips out and and then and then he he made a clip of john verveke saying something I don't care what it is. And then you look in the background. He's on my church stage. That picture right there, that yeah. video is in my church, on my church stage. And somehow it does something to me. Don't ask me why or what it is. But, I mean, it's the coolest thing to think that, you know, in some small way, Crosspoint has placed itself on a much bigger map of conversation, of engagement, of community building, even in places that... These people may never set another foot at Crosspoint Church, but but they are they are somehow their tentacles are are being spread around in in kind of a maybe mysterious way. You know, well, I would say that not just to add on to the thing I was saying about churches as venues. I mean, honestly, if there's a if there's a CRC church anywhere near you, 
the CRCR already knows about estuary. It's like part of like because of Paul, it's like it's a known quantity. So it's not you won't be pitching something that's completely foreign and alien. They're already curious about it and already interested in it and already ready to hear about it. So because I don't want to reinvent the wheel when I don't have to, that's for the one I'm I'm planning myself. I, that's what I did. I went to the local CRC church. Tell us about your conference, Nate. Uh, well, wait till it's a little bit closer to, 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 but it's, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be in September. It's going to be in, in Olympia, Washington. In a Christian before church in Olympia, Washington. Yeah. Huh, does it have a name? John, 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 John. Not yet. Not yes, yet. Not the conference. Yes. I mean the church. I, I don't mean the conference. I mean the church. Oh, the, the church, the church, the church is, uh, Olympia CRC. Olympia, Washington. Amazingly creative. Wow. Yeah. We see our big people. We have amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. Yeah, it's Olympia CRC. Yeah. Yeah. And what was cool about this, and this is part of the reason the CRC is interesting in this, because the pastor of that church was a good friend of mine um, in college. He was another history major with me at Calvin College. I was going to go out to Fuller Seminary with him for that one year, and I didn't go. Um, but he went and so he and I in college and seminary were like this. And then of course, when I met Nate in Olympia, I said, Oh wow, Olympia. I know yeah, somebody. They knew who I was before I talked to them. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 they already knew who I was. CRC fact, people are real serious lurkers. They're watching. <laughs> so, yeah, actually it was uh, Jeremy who, who is their, uh, uh, and in charge of their music ministry, he's the one who says he actually watches you the most. Oh, yeah, Mark yeah. probably doesn't watch me. Mark's like, I know him. Why would I want to listen to him? <laughs> <laughs> Plus, many pastors are very, very busy, yes. and so they, you know, they're not listening to a lot of YouTube. So, yeah. just the reality. But anyway, so that's so I I do, you know, we've had a number of sort of people have been playing with it and that's absolutely okay to play with and to say, to look around in your geographic area. And again, it's a lot easier if you actually have an estuary group going because then you already have a we. That's right. To yeah. start with. Say, we'd like to do a conference. What would it take for us to do this together? Can, can I plant a seed for something? Please. Paul? But I, because I almost went this route because at one point I was, one of the venues I was looking at was um, the Stanford Retreat Center at Camp Solomon Schechter, um, which is a, which is a, a Jewish 174 acre Jewish camp. And they offered me, considering the size of the venue, they offered me a perfectly reasonable rate and it would have had a kosher kitchen. I was thinking about actually doing like a Shabbat observant friendly event. Um, but like there's a really nice Chabad center here too, which I could look at, but I would like to see at some point, I would like to see someone offer an event, like talking to like a Jewish camp or a Chabad center or a synagogue and, and, and do an event that's like a little bit more scheduled so that it's more friendly to our observant Jewish contingent, which is not insignificant. Yeah. 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 Well, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think there's any Jews among us who are just, Yelling all over the place about Van Donk and Vanderclay being totally incompetent about planning events. They're too small, and they—I I can't think of anybody that matches that profile. But this may then also be uh, an opportunity to talk about it from a different angle yet, and that is the "I scratch your back, you scratch my back" philosophy, and that is that we've been approached by St. Andrew's Church in Riverside, where as a part of the Chino conference, we went there to uh, hear Jonathan Pajot speak about the icons in that church. Well, it turns out that Jonathan Pajot has been invited back to St. Andrew's Church for an event in March. And um, I don't know if we can somehow attach that email or that flyer to uh, on the bottom of this of this video I send it impossible. to both of you that'd be absolutely impossible we don't advertise for the orthodox bros no no I, bros. I, i'm not saying, <laughs> I'm, he was I'm being, being facetious i'm being facetious 
<laughs> the, the, the link to the event will be in the show notes. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, very good. So, but, but I mean, you know, that that's kind of how it works because if we if if we are approached to to send our people to their events, then it is more likely that they will help advertise our events to their people. So there's this kind of synchronicity going on there that, you know, Anyway, that's how I do things. I would note that Jonathan appears to be doing breakout groups for his Symbolic World Summit. So really? Maybe you inspired him a little bit. Mm. Yeah, well, and, and I think, I think especially for people who, I mean, terrible finishing sentences. Ministers are used to having some amount of experience doing event planning and and Christian churches over the last 30 years, at least a lot of the ones in the Christian Reformed Church that I've been involved with, have also worked very hard at being creative, at looking for different different things to do in an event that actually gets people mixing and knowing and all of that. And so I was really surprised by the, by the ARC event just... Maybe it's just because they're all business, but you think a group of psych, a psych, something led by a psychologist would pause a moment and say, hmm, how do people work? What do we really want out of this conference? If we really want networking out of this conference, maybe we should make um, facilitate networking, facilitate all of this. And I've, you know, in terms of church meetings, denominational meetings, all these kinds of things, I, I've seen things we did in the Dominican Republic. We've done tons of group processing. Churches do this stuff all the time. And so, you know, for me, there's going to be, listen, if you if you want to do an event like this, definitely reach out to the Estuary Leadership Council because you might just think, oh, we get people on stage and we all sit there and we listen and then we go away. That, you are you are leaving so much on the table if you plan your conference that way. And I know it feels a little weird to think, well, I get to this venue and they scooch me off into this group of eight people. And now I'm going to talk to strangers right away. Just bear with it just a few more minutes. And probably after 10, 15 minutes, you'll begin to say, Oh, well, I I'm. And, and the, one of the resounding things that came through at the Chino conference that I continue to hear in people that went there was, when I got there, I didn't have to do a lot of small talk. We could immediately get into what I really came for, which was finding people who are interested in what I'm interested in and begin to make progress and do work on 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 figuring out the world together. And that's that's this that's the big deal. Yeah, on that note, actually, I uh, for my group that I led at the Chino Conference, I actually kind of primed the pump in that way, in, even in that very first meeting, because the question, rather than do the S-ray protocol in the standard way, what I asked them, the question I asked them to answer as we were going around the first time is what you came here expecting to learn, what your hope, what your what your hopes are for the conference. And then the yeah. second time around, it's like, okay, has anything surprised you so far? So we, what ended up happening is we kind of ended up having this continuous ongoing dialogue with the thread continued from conversation to conversation. Right. So, and, and then you leave the conference and you might, you might have someone that you trade emails with or meet on Twitter or, or just meet on a zoom call or even on a little internet um, chatting thing. And that way you can continue to learn at home. So, all right. Is that the, is that, oh, go ahead, John. No, 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 no. I have a couple more, I have a couple more um, technical support kind of um, observations. And uh, that is related to your potential target population, your target audience. Because quite frankly, when I asked you, Paul, and John Verveke and Jonathan Pajot to put the word about our conference in Chino on your channels and start talking about it and begin to uh, create a little buzz about the conference. I was under the impression and, and, and 
apparently mistaken that that would reach hundreds of thousands of people. And and I remember saying, you know, we can only handle 300 at Crosspoint Church. That was our cutoff. We said Crosspoint Dining Room can only handle. We had plans to have people eating in various other rooms and the hallway and outside if we were going to accommodate 300 people. And it turns out that that audience for all three of you combined, which then, I don't know if you could call that the TLC community at that time, but then we had that subsequent conversation. How big is the TLC community? How many people actually are part of something that might that might inspire them to want to be together? How many people engage with each other, even lurking? How many people consider themselves part of TLC? And, and so in Chino, it turned out to be that I aimed way too high, and I'm ever so grateful that that happened because 200 was definitely the better number than 300. And so we ended up with 200 people. The budget could handle it. Um, I just cut about two-thirds off the price that I paid Paul Vanderclay, and everybody else got what they were supposed to get. And, you know, he's very generous that way. So if you want to organize Paul, make him the flex part of your budget. No. <laughs> Please don't tell my wife she said that. <laughs> anyway, so, but the point here is that if you're going to organize a conference, make sure you know what your target audience is, because... Again, I, 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 I say this, I, I really think I lucked out. I, I was able to do the Chino thing at a time when, when, when the celebrities were still celebrities and, uh, and, and when they had the time to come to Chino and when, they, and when nobody had really had the opportunity to connect with them in person yet. And so all the stars aligned for Chino. But for your conference that you're planning now, uh, or the one that you're thinking about, in Texas or in Arkansas or or in Kansas or in Illinois or in Washington um, state, all, all these all these conferences, if you're going to attract a crowd, you're going to have to ask yourself, who is my target audience and how will I reach them? Yeah. Well, and don't who forget is, to think. Don't, don't forget to think locally too, because there. Oh, may I be, love that. Yes, very much so. There may be somebody who is like kind of a regionally or locally known person that you could invite that may not want as large a speaking fee that would attract a lot of people from your area um so that's just something to talk about because actually one of one of the people that i have in mind to invite is uh happens to 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 live in the northwest so um i'm gonna reach out to that person yeah but yeah, what you just said what you just said is really critical because now you are saying okay i'm going to make my my speaker list dependent on who I'm trying to reach. Right. So I think it should also be tied to the, whatever, whatever your conference theme is, it should make, it should, it should be people that make sense with your, yeah. with the theme of your conference. Right. So I, okay. I'll originally, when I first started thinking about holding an event in the Northwest, my, the original theme I was thinking about was myth versus the machine. And one of the people that I was thinking about inviting was Paul Kingsworth. Well, Paul Kingsworth lives in the UK. It would be significantly expensive to bring Paul Kingsworth out. I had an inspiration watch actually watching your conversation with Elizabeth Oldfield. Um, and I decided to change the theme of my conference and because of that because of that conversation. And, and the theme of my conference is now related to a thread I was kind of working on at the DC at the DC conference that we both attended, um, so I think that's that's a factor too. Is like this, like the speaker should be ideally as local to you as possible, unless you have a connection to someone who's not like like Jordan Jordan Daniel Wood is a friend of mine. I wouldn't I would invite him in a heartbeat, except for I know he's not going he's not going to be available in September because he finally got a full time teaching position at a university so he'll be he'll be in session and any university at that time but um yeah so use your own personal network think of people who are local to you um think of people who fit your theme yep yeah but again i want to i want to highlight though the distinction even in what you're saying right now um 
between which comes first and there is a little bit of a chicken and egg thing going on here because if you make your theme your topic the starting point you you may you may be looking for people who are attracted to that theme or to those speakers so first you pick the theme now you pick the the, the speakers that would be able to speak to that theme and now you discover that there are 14 people in the state of Washington who are interested in the topic well that's why it needs to be broad and vague well, and, and, and also part of what we did at Chino was partly because John and Jonathan and I already had a relationship yeah. was, and we did some of this with the German, with the German breakwater festival as well. We start the conversation online and, and even before the Chino conference, we had a meeting of John, Catherine, John, Jonathan, and myself where we hammered out the theme and it actually took a pretty significant turn in that meeting it because did. of John and Jonathan and yeah. it was better for it. So, um, so there's going to have to be a degree of, you know, refining and then part of, I mean, doing, doing sort of the bringing the online conference into reality. That's much more part of my channel. John, to a degree, John does a lot of dialogue, dialogos on his channel. But um, Jonathan, of course, Jonathan, of course, in, in some ways is sort of transitioning from YouTube being the main thing into publishing and his story and his books and all of that. So um, it's 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 good to to think about process all yes, the yes, way through this yes. thing. That's what, that was my can, point. Yeah. If you can build a conversation. So you can kind of use the conference as something to dangle out there to say, okay, well, speakers fees, some people are going to be me. I'm more motivated by continuing to pursue the movement and the community. Um, you know, what do we, what do we have here? And then, okay, we're going to meet this month and we're going to talk online. Then we're going to talk online again. And, um, and, and if you can build the conversation, then someone, the conference won't be just sort of a complete surprise. And and the conversation, the online conversation in anticipation of the conference can actually build the channel. Right. Because you're going to get more subscribers who are interested in the conversation that is already happening to your channel. So then you're growing the channel even right. while you're anticipating the conference. So, yep, yep. All of there's those no things. downside there. Nope. All right. Is that mostly it? Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think so. Okay. So takeaways. You, if you have a dream of having a conference, Estuary Leadership Council is there to help. There you go. Call there's, Nate. There's call a, Nate. Call Nate. Better call Nate. Better country, call Nate. Grailcountry <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> and Better don't call me. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to end the recording. All right.